if you will, and we are going to go to the book of Luke. I want to share a message today entitled, Washing, did I say washing? Washing your net. Wow. Tell I'm married to a southerner. Um, washing your net. The sermon's getting off to a great start. Washing your net. I, I, I want to deal with uh, those moments that we might be discouraged and maybe tempted to, to give up. And I think if we're with ourselves, if we've been serving Jesus for any amount of time, we may reach those times. We, we may reach moments of frustration and discouragement. And, and I will tell you that those times can be extremely vulnerable for each of us, but those times can also be tremendously beneficial to us in the long run. Because I don't know about you, those of you maybe who've been doing this for a while and trying to serve Jesus for a while, it seems that God often uses those moments of plateau, those moments of frustration and discouragement to speak to me and to do some things in and through my life. And today we're going to take a look at one of the first encounters that Jesus had with some of the guys that he would eventually make his disciples. And this is a very, very interesting point that Jesus kind of interjects himself into their lives. And the more I dug into this, the more I discovered that it's not unlike when he chooses to interject himself in our lives as well. So let me show you what I mean. If you're able to, would you stand with me and honor God's word as we read this? Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and we will go to verse 11 today. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen, and we'll have all the scriptures for you there, okay? Here we go. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them and They came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. 
King James says, you will become fishers of men. So verse 11 says, they pulled their boats up on shore, they left everything, and they followed him. Will you pray with me? God, your word is so powerful, and I pray, God, that you would take this moment that these future disciples were in, where Jesus, you met them right where they were at. And God, I pray that you would meet us right where we're at this morning. And God, if anybody is at that time where they're frustrated, where they are discouraged, Lord God, that you would speak to us and make us more like you. So Lord, we'll thank you for your word and what you do. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Washing your net. It's like, Pastor, what does that have to do with being discouraged or frustrated? Well, we kind of pick up on what the fishermen were going through. How many fishermen do we have in, in the house here today? Or fisherwoman? Fisherwomen. We had more women raise their hands than men. That's incredible. Okay. All right. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to fish all the time with my grandpa. And there is nothing more frustrating than sitting in a boat for hours and not catching one fish. Am I, am I right there? Maybe that's why some of you didn't raise your hand, because you had too many of those trips, right? And you're ready to give up. Um, Simon, who later became Peter, by the way. So let's just call him Peter, James, and John, okay? They had a night like that. Now, understand that these guys were professional fishermen. They weren't just like weekend enthusiasts. This was their job. And typically, they would fish at night. And so when Peter said, we've been fishing all night, and we haven't caught a thing, uh, that's pretty frustrating. When you go through the entire evening and you haven't caught one fish. So part of, and I'm going to get... Uh, get to why we're talking about the whole washing your net thing. Washing your net, you had to do that when you were putting your, your gear away. Like any other type of thing that you might do outdoors, it's, it's good if you clean off a fishing net and, uh, and then store it, because if you store it when it's filthy, when it's dirty, when it has a bunch of stuff, that's going to eat away at the net. It's going to ruin the net. So Simon was at the point where he had worked all night. he come up empty, and they saw no results from what they were doing. So all he had left to do was give up and wash his net. How frustrating. All night long, no results. And this is, this, is what, this is what you do, by the way. This isn't Phil Anderson fishing. We had a fishing derby here at the church like 20 years ago. Okay? Want to know who won? I did. I caught a bluegill that was this big. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I want a tackle box with gear in it because I was the only one that caught a fish. This thing could not feed another fish. It was just tiny. 
So I'm really no expert, but I do know what it's like to not catch anything. But let's, let's broaden this just a little bit more. Let's not talk about fishing. But maybe as you go through life and you have tried and tried and tried to do what you know to do, what you've been taught to do, what you've read in the Bible to do, and you're not seeing the results that you'd like to see. You've been praying hard. You've been praying for that relative. You've been praying about your job situation, your family situation. You've been doing everything that you know that you can do, and you still keep coming up empty. And the temptation is in the midst of that discouragement and in the midst of that frustration and in the midst of that disappointment, the temptation is to, th- is to stop throwing your net into the water. The temptation is to stop praying. The temptation is to stop reading God's word. The temptation is to stop being the Christian that you know you should be. The temptation is to stop making so many efforts and just wash your net. Just wash your net and put it away and give up. I've met a number of Christians that have done that. I've met some pastors that have done that. They preached, they prayed, they worked, they tried to be nice, and they didn't see the results that they thought they should see. I've seen parents who have prayed and they tried. And they've done everything they know to do. I've seen spouses pray for their spouse. I've seen people pray that their job situation would get better. And, 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 and when you don't see results after your efforts, it's very tempting to wash the net and put it away. And I'm here to tell you today that the last thing that Jesus wants you to do is to give up. Because guess who has showed up in your boat? Guess who's there to do something special that you weren't expecting, but, but you're so frustrated, maybe you don't recognize it. And today, I want to encourage you that you can overcome the frustration and you can overcome the disappointment and you can overcome the no results. But I think there's some things that God wants to do in you and there's some ways that we can respond to this. So I would like to give us some instructions from this story for us to embrace when we have times of frustration. You might say, well... Good thing, pastors, that I'm not frustrated. I never get frustrated. Okay, okay. Well, let me know what planet you live on, because sign me up. 
And if you're not at that season right now, and I'm not suggesting that we all have to get depressed all of a sudden, okay? But, but I, here's what I know. When we serve Jesus for any amount of time, when we're close to Jesus for any amount of time, we're going to be in that moment where we got to deal with... You can't ignore the frustration. So what do you do? Let me share it with you. First of all, today, uh, here's the first instruction. Maybe you want to write these down or even take a picture of them. Number one, determine to submit to the Lord. Make a determination that no matter what, you will obey God. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6 again, okay? When he, Jesus, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Time out, by the way, okay? You've got this preacher, Jesus, telling the professional fisherman, hey, I see you haven't caught any fish. Now, I'm a carpenter slash preacher, but let me tell you how to do things. Throw your net in deep water and picture the exasperation that's on Peter's face as he says, verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night. Could you see him kind of gritting his teeth when he says this? We've worked hard all night. And we haven't caught anything. Okay, so he is he's stating, okay, here's my frustration, Jesus. But look what he says. Don't miss this. But because you say so, stop there. Because you say so, I'll let down the net. Because you are giving, because Jesus, you're giving me a command that on the surface doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But because you say so, because your word says so, I'll do it. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Your discouragement and your frustration that it's a testing time to see just how deep you will follow Jesus' commands. See, because at your most frustrated, you ready for this? At your most frustrated, some of Jesus' commands will not make sense to you. See, because some of your frustration might be with another person. And Jesus tells you that you need to still love that person, that you have to forgive that person person and really what you want to do is slash their tires it goes again maybe not that please don't do that if we got a bunch of flat tires in the parking lot norm watch the lot and so but if you've if if, you're being told in, in the word what is contrary to how you feel It doesn't make sense to pray, to talk to somebody that I can't see and expect results that I can't create. That doesn't make sense. 
but we're told to pray. And that's when he does his best. You see, in the midst of discouragement and frustration, when you're ready to wash your net and give up, we tend to allow moments of discouragement to become moments of disobedience. And we even excuse it. We'll we'll, we'll justify that. We'll justify it because we'll say, well, hey, I'm going through a tough time, so I think God's okay with this one. I've heard this. And, And he is never, hear me, he's never okay with any of us going against what his word says to do. Never. So I would encourage us, number one, to determine, to submit to God, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Secondly, I probably could have made this a series. Secondly, depend on support. What do you mean, Pastor? I want to direct your attention to verse 7. Look at verse 7. We're, we're talking about depending on support from other people. This is when the nets are beginning to break, okay? Because there's so many fish. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats, both boats, so full that they both began to sink. Let me say this. We need each other. I should have got a way better amen. We need each other. Church family is not about sitting in here for however amount of time on a Sunday and listen to some guy rattle off a bunch of points that start with the same letter. Church is about this, this, this dynamic. We do life together. We support one another. When one weeps, we all weep. When one is in victory, we are all victorious. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. We do life together. We are there for each other. And sometimes, sometimes things take place that are hard for us to handle by ourselves. Simon couldn't even handle this, not alone. He needed the support of the people that were closest to him. One of the core values of Bethel Church is that we're not just a church, we're a family. And so we do life together. You can't handle this on your own, church. You're not wired to. Hear me again, you're not wired to. We are not wired to do life by ourselves in isolation. We are programmed, we are wired by God to do life in community. And we need each other. Simon needed his partners to be able to handle what came his way. You need the people in your church family, other believers, to help you with whatever comes your way. Please, please don't try to handle difficult circumstances alone. That's nothing more that the enemy would love to do is to isolate you. 
moments of discouragement, those are moments that we need the support of the church. And, and I will tell those of you who are fairly new to this church, maybe, you've only been coming here for a very short time or maybe a few months, uh, this church is not about pettiness. This church is not about gossiping about somebody who's going through a hard time. This church is not about judging people because they're going through difficulties in life. We don't have time for that. Jesus is coming back soon. And so this pastor does not put up with that. The church does not put up with this. We love one another, and we love Jesus Christ. And the two are inseparable from one another. Thirdly, when we are tempted to wash our nets, thirdly, we need to deal with sin. We need to deal with sin. <laughs> I might have a little bit of fun with this. I, strange topic to do so, but here we go. But look at verse 8. Look at Peter's first response. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Jesus' presence, hear me, Jesus' presence and Jesus' power will always expose our sin. Always. Do you remember the book of Isaiah? When Isaiah had his vision of the throne room of God, and he saw the angels, and he saw the, the, the temple, and, and, and just saw this powerful, amazing scene in Isaiah chapter 6, and I, Isaiah's first response was, woe to me, I'm ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. First thing, the first thing you are confronted with when the presence of God is real, when the power of God is real in your life, the first thing you've got to be confronted with is your own sinfulness. You know what I'm glad Peter did not say? Wow, we should make a ministry out of this, man. Yeah. I need a Canadian post office box, stat. A tape series? I'm going to write a book on how Jesus is your fisherman. <laughs> now, because you know what that is? That's ego, that's pride. And if our response to the power of God is ego and pride, then I question, hmm, this might make you mad, but if ego and pride is your response to the presence and the power of God, then I question your experience to begin with. I question the legitimacy of what you've experienced. Because when we are confronted with the power and the presence of God, all those things that don't belong, they rise to the surface. And, and if you think that's God's way of trying to make you feel nasty or disgusting or awful, no. No, 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 no. See, because what Jesus is doing, he'll reveal that stuff to you so that you can just scoop that away. Say, Jesus, forgive me of this. God, you know how hard this is for me, so help me to live victoriously. I repent of this. I'm going to change my life. That's what you do. That's what you do. When you're confronted with the presence of God and then some of that comes up, 
That's the Holy Spirit's conviction trying his best to bring you closer and closer to him. I laugh at people when they say, every time I come to church, I feel guilty. (laughs) Do something about it. (laughs) You think maybe God's trying to get you to change, and he is. That's what he's trying to do. Why? Because he loves you. If you didn't care, he wouldn't even reveal it to you in the first place. Listen, when you're washing your net, when you're ready to give up, when you're discouraged, when you're frustrated, then understand this. Temptation and sin will try to thrive in those times. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Don't give in to temptation. Don't justify it. We touched on this earlier. Don't, don't try to say it's okay. Some of the most dangerous words you could ever utter in your spiritual life are these. It's not that bad. Toxic. That sentence is toxic to a Christian. It's not that bad. If God's revealing some disobedience in our lives, repent of it. Don't manage it. Don't ignore it repent. Amen? Amen. Fourthly, I'm almost done. (laughs) At least I said it. All right. Number four, we desire his strategy. We desire his strategy. If you want to get out of this frustration, then understand that his plans need to become your plans. And His ways need to be your ways. And you've got to follow His plan. You've got to do things His way, not your way. And look at verse 10. In in the midst of all of this, okay? So here's Jesus revealing His power and, and really a little bit more of what He's about to Simon Peter. And... It says, James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners were there. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. So, Simon Peter's overwhelmed. I'm a sinful man. And he's witnessed all this. And then it was at that moment when Jesus revealed himself that he also revealed to Peter, I got a plan for you, Peter. Don't miss this. You know what? Could it be? Could it be in the midst of your pain and in the midst of your discouragement and the midst of your frustration, even while you're washing the net and you're like, throw this thing where I just clean this thing. Do what? Okay. And could it be in the midst of all of that that Jesus says, I got a purpose for you? In fact, you call yourself a fisherman? Tell you what, Pete. Message Bible. (laughs) Tell you what, Pete. Instead of fishing for fish, you're going to fish for men. I'm going to use your gifts, Peter. 
And yeah, you're a hot mess. You have no idea. Can you imagine what's going through Jesus' head? He knows that this is the guy that's going to cut off a man's ear. He knows that this is the guy that's going to walk on water for a few steps and then sink. He knows this is the guy that is going to deny him. We need, but, but it's this guy that Jesus will also say it's on this rock. Because I got another name change for you, Pete. I'm going to call you Rocky. <laughs> and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus tends to reveal his plan and his purpose to a lot of hot mess people, even in the midst of them washing their nets and wanting to give up. Even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your, of your frustration. In fact, can I say this? It could be that God actually wants to use you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your frustration, to perform His will. Some of us think that washing our nets means it's time to take a time out with everything, and God says, oh, no, 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 no. Doors open. Let's talk. And perhaps this morning, Jesus doesn't see an obstacle standing in your way, Jesus actually sees an open door to communicate to you that I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I want to use you at the workplace. I want to use you on your, on your campus. I want to use you in your, in your neighborhood. I want to use you in a greater way in your church. I, I want to use you. I've got a plan for you. And you might not think you're very qualified, but I don't call qualified people. I qualify called people. So our ears need to be open to Jesus' voice when we're washing our nets. Here's the last one. Decide to surrender. See, in the midst of all of this, and and don't miss this, This is such a great passage of scripture, isn't it? In in the midst of all of this, Peter still had a decision to make. You think that that was enough. Wow, thanks Jesus for all the fish. You want me to be a fisherman? Okay. Weird. Don't get it. But there's something about you, Jesus. And then verse 11 kicks in. They pulled up their boats on the shore. They left everything. And they followed him. Can I remind you what they... See, because our understanding of fishing... Okay, Zebco reel and rod, bobber, okay, night crawlers are yours. And no, no, they left the boats. They left the nets. They left their livelihood. They, they left everything. 
They left their identity. They left their reputation. They left everything on that shore. And they followed Jesus. You see, here's the deal. Jesus is calling for our 100% complete surrender to him. I'm not telling you you need to quit your job. Please don't send me that email, okay? Pastor, I quit my job. Hallelujah. I'm going to follow Jesus. <laughs> Go talk to your boss right now. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Could it be, see, because Jesus was calling... <coughs> Jesus was calling Peter, I want you to get this, from one life to another. And so there's no way, as they would scale all of Israel and Galilee and where, Judea, wherever they would go, Samaria, there's no way that Peter could have dragged a boat. Peter wasn't carrying a fishing gear. He left it all at the shore. Now, when Jesus saves us, do you know what he does? He calls us from one life to another. And whatever was representative of that old life that could possibly... You ready? That could possibly keep us from following Jesus completely. That all has to be left on the shore. Because there's no way Peter is going three years lugging a boat and a net. He had to leave it all there. Is there something, Christian, is there something that Jesus called you when you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Is there something, it could be, it could be so many things. Is there something that could have held or actually currently does keep you from following Jesus the way that you should, that you need to leave back on the shore? Because it's very easy to think that we can carry those boats all the way to the cross. And we can't. It'd be very easy to think that we could still carry some of those habits that we had that were hurting us, that were, that were bogging us down spiritually, that kept us trapped, that, that kept us from really being able to serve Jesus and follow him the way that we should. It'd be, it'd be so easy to think, yeah, yeah, I can, I can handle all this. I can carry all this. Who, who is this for? It'd be, it'd be so easy to say, I can, I can lug this the rest of my life. I could do this and still be a follower of Jesus Christ. No problem. And Jesus is saying, let go of that boat. Drop that net. Leave it on the shore. I've got something better for you. I've got something better for you. And that thing that you've been hanging on to for years, 
that's part of your past life, that's part of your old life without Jesus, Jesus is saying, leave it there. Leave it there. Come follow me. Because I've got a plan for you, Peter. Let go of the boat. Let go of your fishing stuff. Let, let... Follow me. When we wash our nets, here's the deal. We're confronted with the value of our ship. See, because here's the deal. You ready? When, when, you leave, when you leave a boat on the shore, you got to be asking yourself, man, that's a lot of money. I like that boat. Had a GPS in that thing. XM. It was awesome. XM is satellite radio, for those of you who are not millennials. Man, that, that's, that's costly, Jesus. That relationship that was so toxic, at least I had, at least I had a soulmate. That, that, that lifestyle that I carried that got me a lot of attention that a lot of people recognized me for, because that was pretty much my identity, I, I, I'm going to miss that, because I really liked it. See, surrender means you're giving up something that you kind of like. Surrender is not giving something up that you don't like. Okay, Jesus, have all the liver uh, in the world. It's all yours. Okay, there you go. And there's a cost. I'll be straight with you. There's a cost in following Jesus. It's not free. It's not free. Don't I just have to pray the prayer? It's a little more than that, honey. Sure, he'll forgive you, but, but if you really want to follow him, there's stuff in that boat, and probably the boat itself, you've got to leave, and, and that costs a lot, but here's, here's the deal. There's a difference, hear this, I'm going to close with this. There's a difference between cost and value. I bought some stock about two years ago. I know this concept very well now. <laughs> Boy, it was a great idea at the time. It cost me X amount of money. It's now valued. We're down there. <laughs> but I'm sure it's going to pick up. I remember one time, sometimes on the side, my son will um, he'll flip Air Jordans or, or some kind of expensive shoe. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But there was one time, for example, he bought a pair of shoes for like, I'm just going to say 200 bucks. Okay? Uh, now, chill. Okay? That was the cost. He sold them for $1,600. 
See, because the cost was way lower than the actual value. You might think it costs you a lot to follow Jesus and his plan and to not give up. But you need to know that the value of it will always be greater than the cost. Always. And that's why Peter could leave everything on the shore because he knew the value of following Jesus was exponentially higher than the cost of what he left behind. And I want to encourage somebody that might be, what you're tempted to give up on is God. May I remind you today that the, whatever it's costing you to serve Jesus, your time, your popularity, this, that, whatever, the value of serving Jesus is way more than the cost. Maybe you're washing your net today. You're frustrated. You're tempted to give up. There's somebody who's making an appearance on your boat. And maybe you don't even realize it just yet. But it's Jesus. And he may have something to say to you. He may command you or remind you of his word of something that kind of goes against what you would normally do. But if you'll just put your net out to deep water and let Jesus deal with the inadequacies and the disobedience and the sin that's in your life, and if you'll just follow him completely, don't wash that net just yet. Don't give up. The Lord's here. The Lord's here. And he wants to reveal himself to you. Can you say amen? amen? Jonathan, can you help me? Can we all stand, please? Did you get anything out of this today? Whew, man. So I'm speaking to people today, whether you're online or you're here in the house. I'm especially speaking to people that you're at a kind of a low point where you're frustrated, you're uh, discouraged. Through no fault of your own, it's just you've done what you know to do, just like Peter did, and he still came up empty. You know what to do as a praying woman. You know what to do as a God-fearing man, and, and it just seems like you're not getting the results. Jesus... Jesus has arrived and he's sitting in your boat and he has something to say to you. He's got a plan for you. He wants to do something in you and through you. All he asks today, don't wash the net just yet. Don't give up just yet. Maybe today you need to sit in his presence and have a moment with the king of kings. I'm not telling you he's going to make a bunch of fish appear. <laughs> In fact, that wouldn't be real practical this morning. But maybe for you, maybe for you, he's going to give you, are you ready for this? He's going to give you 
what you've been looking for for so long, except he's going to do it his way. I don't know what he has in store for you. But would you talk to him today if you're, you're washing the net? Talk to him. Pray to him. And don't leave until you're finished talking to him. Jonathan's going to play guitar, and we're just going to create an atmosphere where we can do just that. Where you can maybe come to the front and pray, or maybe you're more comfortable praying at your seat. I, I just want you to pray if that's where you're at. And then when God's done with you, you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship in the lobby. But for now, the creator of the entire universe is in your boat and he wants to speak to you. Would you speak to him today before you leave? So Jesus, I ask you today that you would meet with your people. And God, I pray that you'd reveal yourself. God, it may not be in a great catch of fish. God, it might be in something very simple. It, it, it might be in someone communicating. It, it, it might be something you do at someone's job. It might be something that you do in a relationship. It might be something that you do at work or on the campus. I don't know what it's going to be, Lord, but, but I pray that you'd reveal yourself, your presence and your power. And God, as you do, as you do, bring to the surface those things in my life that don't belong. And God, may I deal with him your way. And may I follow your plan. So Jesus, we're going to start the process today by just talking to you, praying to you, and allowing your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And you take it from there, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray this. Amen. If you need to pray, feel free to do so right now. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship in the lobby. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.